lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Hope you had a great... You know what? I hope you enjoyed your long weekend. Right? That was the Memorial Day message from our vice president, correct? Yeah. Enjoy your long weekend. Uh, Steve Dace here alongside Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. Happy Tuesday to all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. You can email the show, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Look for Steve Dace on MeWe Gab Parlor. And you can find clips of the program for free at Rumble.com slash Steve Day Show as well. We have a jam-packed show lined up today. Uh, Pop Culture Tuesday. We're going to get a little personal. I did um, I did a little light reading over the weekend. Three times, in fact. The script for the nefarious plot movie, at least the bulk of it, is complete. Um, and I'll have some movie news for you. At least what I think I can share. Uh, coming up during Pop Culture Tuesday a little bit later on. We'll continue our look through Fauci and Bargain on fake news or not. And then at the uh, bottom of this hour, I'm getting all kinds of requests. What do I do legally? My job tells me I have to get vaccinated. I have to do that. Uh, Brian Fiesta from We We The People USA will be joining us. That's what he does, his organization does. And hopefully he'll have some action steps for how they might be able to assist at least some of you, or if you're an attorney in this audience, how you might get enlisted in their effort uh, to fight this out uh, in the courts. Uh, Before we get to Aaron's montage, though, I I noticed that a major story was missing uh, from your montage. Uh Uh-oh. And that major story is, I came, I saw, and I kicked Rona's ass. Friday after the program... I left here. You know what? I'm going to wait. Let that hang out there. Let As a tease, and I'm going to tell you about home title lock first. Home title theft is something we've been warning you about for a long time on this show. This is where cyber thieves go online with your personal info, claim to be you where your home's title is kept, and then sign on to a quick claim deed as you, and then sell your home to themselves so they can then liquidate all of that equity and stick you with payments, foreclosures, evictions, etc. Um, you don't want this to happen to you. And when you have big data breaches like what just happened to Facebook, what is it, 500 million identities now uh, of their accounts are out there, name, address, personal info that you use to identify as you, it's out there now. That's why you want to get a hold of our friends at Home Title Lock. Get 30 free days of protection during this high-risk breach right now when you go to HomeTitleLock.com and use the promo code RADIO. Make sure you're protected from Facebook and their data breach. Maybe if they worked more on that and less on censorship, your data wouldn't be exposed right now, maybe. Uh, Go to HomeTitleLock.com and use the promo code RADIO. All right, so Friday after the program, I went and got an antibody test done here locally for COVID-19. I did look, we don't have the T-cell immunity test available here yet uh, in central Iowa. This was the only thing I could find available was just a standard antibody test. And 
I did this for two reasons. Number one, when I was speaking in South Dakota about a month, uh, a little more than a month ago, um, the day we, once we got up there, it was weird. Like this started actually going down at Mount Rushmore. I just lost temporarily, temporarily like lost a sense of smell and had this feeling like there was like a weight on my chest struggling to breathe. Um, and so I wondered because I had been struggling with uh, the, um, uh, the sinus infections I get every now and then, the few days prior. And now I actually don't believe that that was COVID originally. I actually think they were sinus infections. It just weakened my immune system enough that that's somebody else then gave me COVID. But um, it went away in about 36 hours, just went away, like completely, just totally went away. All the symptoms did. And I was going to actually get tested a couple of weeks ago, but then my wife got it. And it gave her full-fledged pneumonia that she had to battle for like a week. And so we wanted, you want to get, you know, a couple of weeks past you or anyone around you showing symptoms before you go get tested for antibodies. So Friday, I went and got an antibody test. Sure enough, I can confirm I have robust natural immunity from COVID-19. And according to some recent studies, mild symptoms those antibodies are some of the strongest that are out there, including superior to what you get from the vaccines, should they actually vaccine for you. So, gentlemen, thoughts on that news? I disagree. I think, I think your, your sinus infection allergies, that was COVID, because that's how it presented for, for me, and that's who you got it from, from. You think I got it from you? Yeah, because I also got my antibodies tested last week, and they were positive as well. So I would just like to say, Steve, I hope you feel really, really bad about your worst of the week a couple of weeks ago, because you kind of threw Bob Bob Vanderplatz and I under the bus. So I think we need a, a little mea culpa there, my friend. I actually was feeling much better when I went up to South Dakota, and then suddenly I got hit with those symptoms. But if you want credit for infecting me, I'll just... I will, yeah. All right, then yeah. I'll, I'll grant I it to you. I gave you my immunity um, yes. indirectly. yes. Todd, what do you think? So should I feel like there's just like a sort of Damocles hovering over me now? (laughs) Or should I feel like actually I'm like the strongest of the bunch? Which one? I don't not even get it. I don't know. Maybe I maybe because it's an airborne virus and that can lead to a lot of randomness. Maybe that is why. Um I will say, though, that I would encourage everyone in this audience, and I mean everyone, because there are some, there's a couple of things I've seen about the dangers of getting, of incidents related to getting this vaccine when you already have had the virus and have antibodies. I would urge all of you, and in fact, I think I said this late last year as they were gearing up the, um, the, uh, the vaccine effort. I said we needed to be doing what right now? Getting tested for antibodies. Antibodies. We needed a massive antibody study of the country. Number one, if if, if we need to get this out to the vulnerable demographics as soon as possible, number one, we need to know who's already had it, number one. But then number two, given the the incidents we're seeing associated with the virus, and I'm sorry, with the vaccine, and some of the reports I've seen of people who are already immune naturally, then going and getting the vaccine on top of it, every one of you in this audience... 
if you can do it, if it's available in your area, and if if you've got a chance to do the T-cell immunity, do that. I would have done that, but it's not available yet in our community, I checked. If you've got a chance to go get an antibody test, I would highly urge you to do that, particularly given the amount of you that are emailing me right now about forced vaccination at your jobs. All right, so I, I, all of you in, within the sound of my voice, if you have not done so yet, you should go get an antibody test, okay? And with that, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by coming back after enjoying the long weekend, Kamala Harris, but only if you're vaccinated. If you're vaccinated, go enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. If you're not vaccinated, give your get yourself a gift this holiday weekend and get vaccinated. We'll start with Dr. Anthony Fauci, who apparently has a forthcoming book entitled Expect the Unexpected, 10 Lessons on Truth, Service and the Way Forward. Meanwhile, according to the UK Daily Mail, a yet-to-be-published paper by Norwegian and British scientists claims COVID-19 has, quote, no credible natural viral ancestor and that it was likely created in a lab. Twitter has suspended the account of Harvard epidemiologist Martin Koldorf. No reason is given, but uh, you can probably guess. Koldorf has been one of the loudest voices for the real science when it comes to covid This weekend in the UK, tens of thousands took to the streets of London in protest of that country's continued lockdown and COVID mitigation strategies. The British media completely blacked out any coverage of the event, but apparently Parliament was listening as news broke over the weekend that the country is expected to scrap its so-called vaccine passport plans. Checking in on Donald Trump, who has this to say about the vaccines. Look, I'm a... A big fan of the vaccine. I was the one that got it done in record time, less than nine months. Everyone said it would take three years, five years. And it's why people are getting better now. Everything's still going great in the U.S. military. According to Yahoo News, U.S. troops charged with guarding nuclear weapons in Europe used popular education websites to create flashcards exposing their exact locations and top secret security protocols to familiarize themselves with things like which shelters in various locations had hot vaults with live nuclear bombs, the soldiers created digital flashcard sets on apps like Chegg, Prep, Quizlet, and Cram. Checking in on public education will start in Portland, Oregon. Catherine Watkins, 8th grade humanities teacher at Cedar Park Middle School, and my pronouns are she, her, we, and us. Um, I'm going to say something that's not nice and not sweet, but it's true. If you're not evolving into an anti-racist educator, you're making yourself obsolete. Obviously, you can't change your melanin, all right? But you can change your mind. If you're a millennial or you have young kids at home, you may be familiar or remember the show Blue's Clues, a cute animated kids series following a blue dog and his owner out on adventures. Here's what it is now. Hey, Blue, look at all these families. Hi, families. It's time for a pride parade. Families marching one by one, hurrah, hurrah. Families marching one by one, hurrah, hurrah. This family has two mommies. They love each other so proudly. And they all go marching in the big parade. A school in New York City showed this video to children as young as six years old. Whoa, watch it. You almost hit me in the pee-pee. <laughs> <laughs> What's so funny, you two? He said, pee-pee. <laughs> <laughs> Do you notice that when you say pee-pee, you giggle, but when you say penis, you say it in a serious voice? 
I never noticed that before. Some children and adults feel uncomfortable when they talk about their private parts, so they make up cute or funny names for them. What's one for a girl's private parts? Vajayjay! <laughs> Sometimes I touch my penis because it feels good. Sometimes when I'm in my bath or when mom puts me to bed, I like to touch my... Yes, that video was shown to first graders in order to <clears throat> educate them on how to masturbate at Dalton School. It's a $55,000 per year private school in the city. A Black Lives Matter activist and director at large of the Denver, Colorado School Board is stepping down after being accused of molesting over 60 illegal immigrant children. Tay Anderson denies the allegations, which arose after a parent delivered testimony to the state last week, claiming there was an unidentified sexual predator within the school system. And finally, Joe Biden, what you doing? I'm especially honored to share the stage with Brittany and Jordan and Nathan and Margaret Catherine. I, uh, I love those barrettes in her hair, man. I tell you what. Look at her. She looks like she's 19 years old sitting there with her, like a little lady in her race car. And that's what happened while we were away. The look on the sign language interpreter's face. Did you? Because I've watched that clip. I just mm. had not seen the sign language interpreter. Oh. So I just watched her the entire time. I did not. Did you look at her, the look on it? Can you play that again? Give me one second. Okay. I, I want you to look at the look on her face. All right. While he prepares that. Aaron's montage brought to you by Rough Greens. You know, we've been telling you about Rough Greens for quite a while now as well. It's the powder that you sprinkle over your dog's food. It's so simple. Um, and with that simple act, um, you're helping provide your dog the essential vitamins, minerals, nutrients, pre, probiotics, etc. likely lacking from the food you get them at the store because it's been stripped bare for all the same reasons that our food has been too. Mass production distribution, which means we're taking a lot of supplements these days to supplement the nutrition. Our pet needs that as well and and you may not know though hey so it's healthy but will my pet like it one way to find out uh we give you the first 14 day jumpstart back for free uh when you go to roughgreens.com you just pay for the shipping but that first 14 day jumpstart bag is free right now at roughgreens.com r-u-f-f for roughgreens.com or give them a call at 833 rough dog all right you have it Yes. All right. Let, now, just watch the sign language interpreter here, Todd. Let's let's watch this again. All right. It's now, an honor to share the stage with Brittany and Jordan and Nathan and Margaret Catherine. I uh, I love those barrettes in her hair, man. I tell you what. I look at her. She looks like she's 19 years old, sitting there with her, like a little lady in a race car. Brittany, you're doing triple duty as Dude. a veteran, a military spouse, and a teacher. Dude. <laughs> Got the cringy little sort the, of That was smile. so cringe. That was that was so cringe. But aren't you glad we're returning to normal though, Steve? Indeed. Hey, he didn't post it on Twitter. He didn't post it on Twitter, so I guess it was okay. I mean, just said it right to her face. Right? Just went full creeper on her right to her face. Didn't like eat a, you know, a, a taco bowl on on Cinco de Mayo on Twitter. So it's it's not mean then. Right? Those are the rules. Normal's back, baby. No, yes, it is. And it's back with a vengeance. All right. Coming up in the overtime today, um, we're going to discuss the impact, not within our industry, because I don't think most of you care. And I don't know that we even know what it is anyway. But what's the impact in conservative politics going to be? 
Now that the dust has cleared following the passing of the late great Rush Limbaugh and the, the, the two major networks within syndicated radio have stepped up to try to fill his shoes. We're going to look at how that may or may not impact conservative politics. I mean, go back to the 2016 race and uh, the big lesson I learned, we had the money, we had the organization. Um, it, we didn't have we didn't have Fox, we didn't have Drudge, and we didn't have Rush. Trump had those three things. We on the cruise team had literally everything else. We had everything else but those three things, and we couldn't win. Now, Drudge is toast. He has no, no credibility, influence in our ranks whatsoever any longer. Fox, of course, has at least... Uh, one viable contender in the in the digital, or I'm sorry, in the over-the-air media sphere. They've got a lot of contenders in the digital sphere. We're one of them. Um, and But now we have replaced Rush. So if this moves on going forward, what kind of influence uh, will they be able to wield? How might that influence what happens in, within uh, conservative politics? We'll get into that later today in the overtime at blazetv.com slash dace. That's blazetv.com slash dace. And that's also where you can go to become a discounted subscriber today. We will upload it after the program. We'll record it uh, after today's show. Upload it for you. You'll watch it later today. If you're a subscriber at blazetv.com slash dace. If you're not, go there now and become one for a discount. All right, let, let's get into the rest of what's in Aaron's montage. Martin Koldorf, Harvard medical school. He also helped design the VAERS incident website for CDC. Who at Twitter thinks they know more about this than, than he does? Everyone. Apparently is the answer to that. And, and what'd you say the explanation was for banning him? No. By the way, Martin Koldorf, by the way, Outside of COVID, when he start when he talks about COVID, he sounds a lot like. And well, particularly when you start when you start when you start talking about COVID mitigation efforts and masks, he sounds a lot like this show. Okay, get him talking about like anything else though, and I believe he's a socialist. <laughs> All right, so um, he really Martin Koldorf should be the professor of, of epidemiology at Stockholm University. He he is, you know, we've talked. How do we explain from our vantage point? How do we explain the nation that gave us Greta Thunberg chose to line up and be the one nation state control group for the last year and a half, right? And one of the things we kind of came to the conclusion was that they're not, they're actually for real about this stuff. Like they actually believe in their own secular, utopian, technocratic um, lingo. They're true believers in it. It's not just a means to an end to acquire power. Like the, the gentleman on the Denver school board, let me just talk BLM to get on the school board because that will give me a platform by which I can allegedly molest dozens of children, right? It's a, it's a will to power. But we talk a lot about a lot of leftist language in our country. They don't mean this stuff. It's just all will to power. But then there are people who like really buy in. And Sweden, we think, just really believes in it, and so they've governed. They've governed consistently accordingly, and they were like, "Well, we said we worshipped science, so we're going to follow it, right?" And they've they've actually done that. Koldorf would be one of those guys. He is a socialist. He just um, also is a scientist, and so he's run the data on masks and all of our mitigation efforts and everything else. And has said, and is called BS. Another another decorated voice in his field. 
He was one of the speakers that went down to Florida for Ron DeSantis' event about a month or two ago. And YouTube got rid of that, uh, off of the, uh, scrubbed that from its site as well. I, I think, you know, when you look at, I, I saw an interesting chart over the weekend on reopening progress comparing, I think I might've even tweeted it out too to share it. It was, did you, you know what I'm talking yep. about, Aaron? You remember this? Yep. It was, it was reopening progress of our country compared to a lot of other Western countries. And there, there's, there's two things. One of them, the guy who did put out the chart mentioned it. And he said, hey, because you're looking for, why are we outpacing these other Western countries? What, what do we have to push back on our freedom uh, or push back for our freedoms that they don't necessarily have in these other allegedly free Western democracies, right? And and the first one is it, it, he nailed it on the Constitution. Now that now, for much of America and much of our political class, the Constitution is a dead letter. But the Bible is too, right? Yeah. That doesn't mean if the people who believe in it. Does that mean it holds no power? Is that what that means? No. No. It just means it is rendered moot by the people who have power, right? But if those who believe in its power still live in accordance with that, can it still wield power? Yes. Yes. So, let me give, so for example, they may have banished the Bible from government schools, from most of your universities, right? If I still live by the transforming truths of the word of God, Will that power still display itself in my life? Yes. Despite the fact it's a dead letter in these power sectors of the country. Yes. Yes. Because though, because things, facts are true whether you believe them or not. The idea that because I don't believe in something, therefore it's not true, that I conjure truth. And something therefore is true because I believe in it. Like, well, I don't really, I'm an atheist, so I mean, I, I don't really, I, I, I don't care about your hell. It doesn't matter. Your, your, your particular philosophical, um, you know, status update doesn't make, doesn't mean that because I believe in it, that hell is true either, right? It doesn't work, it right. doesn't work. I, I, I believe it's true. I believe in hell because it exists. It doesn't exist because I believe in it. My belief in it doesn't make it true any more than your lack of belief in it makes it false. It exists or it doesn't, regardless of you and I's two particular opinions on the matter happen to be. And the same goes for our Constitution. What's happened is we have been frustrated at how limited it has been. We have, we have talked on our show quite a bit. Today is June 1st. So we are officially now from 15 days to flatten the curve to 15 months to flatten your way of life, right? Yes. Okay, so we've been frustrated over these last 15 months on our show that we expected to see more of it, right? Yes. But have we still seen, for example, it has been noted to me that we have gone after gutless Michigan Republicans in the in, in in the recent past on this show, yes. but it has been noted, and we should also say this for the record: the the Republican legislature did strip Gretchen Whitmer of many of her emergency powers. That is true. All right, that's an example of a constitutional separation of powers, meaning an ability that the constant everything the Constitution says government cannot do is still all codified into law. 
It's just a matter of whether we have the political will to force that to be acknowledged or not. But it still provides us a platform for us to justify our political will, meaning that we have a reason to oppose lockdowns other than instinctively we don't like it. When we get into instinctively I don't like it, that's when you run into the, well, then you just want to kill Grandma Kennard. So it's, it's my instincts and emotions versus your instincts and emotions. We're probably not going to win a lot of those arguments, right? right. So we need facts. We need truth. We need a basis other than instinctively we know that this is a map. Instinctively, masks are annoying. They're annoying. We all agree. But we need an instinct other than they're annoying to justify not wearing them during a pandemic. And then we need an instinct other than I don't want to wear them anymore in order to get our body politic to move when we want it to oppose the spirit of the age, which is promoting this as it's pan idol. They don't really have that in these other Western democracies. I mean, they have constitutions and things. I think Francis had like 27 constitutions or something. It's some weird number. But they don't have the framework by which they can instantly claim standing on an issue that we can. And I thought that was a good observation. Absolutely. Let me give you something else that I think has made a difference. And I'm going to admit this is true because I think it is. And then later on, when I complain about this very system, and you remind me that I once brought up this one Benefit of it, I will deny that I ever said this. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. I think this might be the one time that our two party system helped. Oh, you, nobody heard that? Let me try that again. I think this might be the one time that our two party system helped. Did you catch it that time? Sort of. Because, man, I, if I, enunciating this just makes the bile rise. Okay, so something bless about me, a party. Bless me, Daniel Horowitz, for I have sinned <laughs> in what I'm what I'm about to say. All right, our two party system actually helped us here. Okay, I got it out. See, we all of our various grassroots, populist grassroots is. is is largely sequestered in one entity in America. Right? Yeah. Within the Republican Party. Yeah. In these other places where they have multiple parties or more of a parliamentary system, they're diluted. And since they don't have a leader that has done what um, Nigel Farage did, where he created a successful wedge party that through popular vote removed England from the European Union. They don't have that. They have they they have splinter parties. There's a difference between a splinter party and a wedge party. A splinter party is a protest movement. A wedge party is politically effective, meaning I have successfully now wedged myself between these two pillars of dominance that they now have to come through me, deal with me, negotiate with me, give me something I want to get anything passed. They don't really have that. They have splinters. You know, they're trying to kind of create some of this in Israel right now as they move on beyond Bibi Netanyahu after this last election. That's why that's what my own analysis following this uh, and looking at our buddy Joel C. Rosenberg's coverage, the long delay and is, is, is it's been it's been certain for a few days now, if not a couple of weeks, that Netanyahu does not have the clout to form a government. So that but the problem is who does have the clout to do so? Because you have all these splinter parties, including on, a lot of them are on the right. 
And so, but none of them have really created a successful wedge party. And, and where there's a clear second tier of where we go after, what is it, Likud and Labor? Those are the two major parties so. in Israel, yeah. right? Okay. Where do we go for sure right after that? That's your successful wedge party. In our country, because we have not gone through that political splintering, but the two-party system meant that all of us that would have been in this populist grassroots could immediately lean on the Greg Abbotts of the world. Immediately. Immediately pressure them. And if we had a more open parliamentary system, we probably would have been spread out. It would have been more difficult to leverage that political clout. And then because then once you start getting the red state governors start reopening more aggressively, you get into the competition. The other people are like, well, you know, I want to go to a game in my state. I want my kids to be in school without a mask in my state. Right. We get into the competitive nature of the states. But we need a political platform by which to initiate that mechanism. And our two party system for maybe the first time in my career. Can I sit here and say it truly benefited us as a grassroots? And I think those two things are why we're ahead of the rest of the free world in pushing back on COVID, Stan. More in a moment. You know, the average American has almost 100 points they could add to their credit score, but maybe no idea how to acquire them. That's why you want ScoreMaster. Uh, the data scientists there have cracked the code on how you can add plus points to your score. It can mean loan approvals, huge discounts, and low interest rates on everything from buying or refinancing a home uh, to leasing a new car, applying for a credit card, maybe a business loan as well. How fast is ScoreMaster? Well, uh, you can raise, the average ScoreMaster user raises their score about 60 points in three weeks, or three weeks or less. That's it. It takes just a few minutes to get started. Go to scoremaster.com right Right now, slash Steve, that's scoremaster.com slash Steve. See how many plus points you can add to your credit score because they show you exactly why you have the score you have. And then we'll give you a plan on how to exactly get to the score that you want. Scoremaster.com slash Steve. Again, that's scoremaster.com slash Steve. I am being inundated with emails, questions, social media, please. Uh, from people being uh, forced to continue to wear a mask at work, forced to vaccinate to go to work, uh, being told their children have to wear a bacteria regurgitator, uh, Chinese cloth diaper on their face to go back to school in the fall, have to be vaccinated with still non-FDA approved substances to return to school or university in the fall. People looking for legal relief where they can go. Brian Festa is here with us. Then we want to welcome him to the show uh, from wethepatriotusa.org. That's the website, wethepatriotusa.org. Brian, it's a pleasure to have you with us here today on the Steve Day Show. How are you? Hi, Steve. Thanks for having me. I just want to make a quick correction. It's we the Patriots, plural. We the Patriots, Patriots USA.org. Thank you. We the Patriots, USA.org. Again, we the Patriots, USA.org. Let's start there. Who are you? 
So we are a nonprofit organization that was founded not coinc- not by any mistake, not accidentally, on July 4th uh, of last year. Uh, we realized something was going on in this country unlike anything that we've ever seen before and that we had to take this country back or there's not going to be a country left to take back. So what we've been doing uh, over the course of almost a year now is not only trying to wake people up, not only trying to educate people about what's going on around them as if it's not obvious. (laughs) It seems to us, I'm sure that it's obvious, Uh, but also to fight back. And we've been doing that through litigation. So you mentioned right before I came on that you're inundated with requests from people who want to file lawsuits, who are being uh, are under attack, really, uh, either for not wearing a mask at work or not being able to enter a business without a mask or uh, being required to get this shot, um, this this experimental gene therapy, because that's what it is. Um, and having their their very livelihoods uh, be contingent on them being subject to this experiment. And we're fighting back by filing litigation. We have a lot of clients already, and we're looking for more. So uh, if anyone needs that kind of help, uh, that's what we're here for. We have something called the Patriot Support Network, but we've just launched a new fund new fundraiser today. Uh, And it's specifically litigation to fight back against all of these unconstitutional mandates uh, that are encroaching on our individual liberties. It's called the Stop the Shot Mandates and More campaign. So the the website for that fundraiser, it's a gogetfunding.com forward slash stop the shot. Gogetfunding.com forward slash stop the shot. And what we're going to do with that money is we're going to create a pool of litigation funds that we can then direct uh, to represent people like your listeners all across the country who are being um, uh, attacked just for uh, just for breathing in some cases. Brian, uh, I'm Michael Ferris, who runs Alliance De- Alliance Defending Freedom, is, is, has been a friend of mine for over ten years. Uh, they're a, they're an advertiser on our show. In fact, I've got a spot for them next hour. But I have been and I've been blunt with this audience about it. As much as I admire the work they have done on numerous other issues, I have been less than impressed with their hesitance, uh, hesitancy to get involved in the COVID fight. I've even made, and yes, you don't know me, but this is the way I roll. I've made direct personal appeals to Ferris myself. Still can't get them to budge. What now, Michael Ferris took on the fight of homeschooling in America when 30 years ago, when even most Christians thought it was a cult, all right? What is it about this issue? I've seen fair. I've Michael and I became buds because we fought the Republican establishment together. What is it? This is not a guy who's a wimp. So what is it about this issue that has a lot of people that otherwise are in the fight beating their swords into plowshares right now? Can you tell us the answer to that, Brian? Well, particularly when it comes to anything related to vaccines, although this is not a a vaccine in the traditional sense, but particularly when it comes to vaccine, vaccines are the sacred cow. Uh, The mainstream media has convinced even very good conservative Christian people like uh, your your friend, Michael, um, has convinced them that vaccines have saved humanity. Nothing could be further than the truth. Um, We were alive Human beings existed long before vaccines existed and were healthy and thrived. We continue to be healthy and thrive. I am not 
saying, I'm not suggesting, I'm not giving medical advice here that people should or should not take the vaccine. But in, this is a matter of individual liberty, and I see this as the greatest issue of our times, because once you take away the right for us to uh, reject having something injected into our bodies, to cross the barrier of our skin, and now even the government wants to cross that barrier and say that we must accept this or we are going to be denied things like employment, like travel, our, our basic liberties, education. So we have a lawsuit right now in the state of Connecticut that we filed in federal court against the state of Connecticut because they repealed the religious exemption to mandatory school vaccinations. One of the biggest problems with that law, besides the fact that even before COVID came along, it was uh, definitely without a doubt unconstitutional to do this. But now we predict that the COVID vaccine is going to be the shot, is going to be mandated for school children. Once it's approved, for all school children, it is going to be mandated for them. And that's a very scary thing that no parents need to opt out or else they can't get an education. So I don't know, other than the fact that, again, vaccines are sort of this, this sacred cow that no one will touch, that, you know, I, I reached out to his organization, I'll just say in full disclosure, I, I reached out when we were originally looking to file our, our school mask lawsuit. And they didn't want to touch that either. We, we filed a lawsuit against the state of Connecticut for their mask mandate. They require all school children to wear those face diapers, as you call them appropriately. Um, and they cause way more harm, in our opinion, than, than any good that they did. They don't do good. They're, they're, they're ineffective. They cause long-term physical and psychological, emotional harm to these children. And we're still fighting that. We're appealing it now because uh, the judge did rule against us, but we're hoping to get this before the Connecticut Supreme Court. Uh, so that lawsuit is still ongoing as well. Um, it's just, you know, I, I've been as frustrated as you have that these organizations that do great work in every other sector don't want to touch anything COVID related, whether it's vaccines or masks. I've been beating my head up against a wall to the point where I finally just said, well, you know what, what the hell, I'm doing it myself. You know, there's a famous line about from Martin Luther, the great reformer, talking about you can confess Christ all you want. But if you avoid the areas where that confession are the most hotly contested, then you may be confessing a lot of things at that moment. But it isn't Christ. And this is the moment right now where this stuff is the most hotly contested is uh, up with with COVID Stan pointing the proverbial gun or uh, or syringe uh, at all of our at all of our arms at all of our heads. So here's my question to you, Brian, because I can ju- I could send you like a dozen clients a day just out of my own emails. All right, do you have the wherewithal to to take to take on this kind of an effort? How how targeted a clientele? Can you actually do you actually need to reduce this to because of the demand? Well, I mean, right now, because of the limited funding, we couldn't take very many, quite honestly. It's all going to depend on funding. That's all going to depend on how many people listening want to support these efforts. Um, you know, lawyers are not uh, free, obviously. They're, they're not cheap either. Um, and we are not a law firm. We are a nonprofit organization that retains counsel. We have counsel and a, a network of attorneys that we're connected with throughout the country who have agreed to take up these causes, who have been brave enough, which is a rare thing these days, because many, many attorneys, just like these organizations you mentioned that don't want to touch, many attorneys are too afraid to touch this. So we found a network, which we need more. If there's any attorneys listening that want to join our network, Go to wethepatriotsusa.org and, and send us an email. 
because we could definitely use more attorneys. But the biggest thing right now is funding, because if we don't get funding, we can't take very many. We have a few lawsuits ongoing. Uh, we want to take on a whole lot more. We need lawsuits really in every uh, district and every circuit mm-hmm. of this country um, you know, to, to fight back. It's not going to just be one or two lawsuits in Connecticut or New York or California. That's not going to cut it. Um, we need to be filing lawsuits all over the place. And we, we have lawyers to do it. Um, we need more, but, but we have some. But the biggest thing is donations. If we could get some major donors behind this to say, and that's the thing that, quite honestly, I'm just going to speak freely here. The, the conservative right, okay, the con- conservative uh, right in this country, the biggest mistake they've made is they have not uh, funded litigation. The left, that's all they do is fund litigation. Organizations like the ACLU, that's all they've been doing, okay, for the last how many decades, two, three decades. All they've been doing is funding lawsuits, it seems, and lobbying, but a a lot of lawsuits. But the right does not fund them. I've talked to, uh, you know, donors across the country and the one thing they're they're reluctant to do is fund litigation but you know what that's the only way we're taking this back i mean if if, if you think that you know we're going to take this back just by getting together and doing these rallies i love doing i i speak at rallies i love rallies uh, going out into the street and exercising your first amendment rights that's wonderful but that's not going to get your rights back your god-given inalienable rights that are recorded in the Constitution, the only ones, unfortunately, who can, um, you know, get those back for us are men and women in black robes. So last question for you. To me, I think the basis for these, because the typical conservative legal community uh, answer has always been to try to come up with a religious liberty exemption to like whatever the new evil is. Okay. I actually think we need to attack this on the merits. The masks don't work. They don't work. The data shows they don't work. All right. We need to attack these things on the merits of them. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, um, I, I agree with you, except that the courts so far, from what I have seen, have not been uh, willing to accept that evidence for whatever reason. Um, our, our school mask lawsuit, we did attack it on the merits. So we filed an emergency injunction. Our sister organization actually did it. It wasn't We the Patriots. It was the Connecticut Freedom Alliance, which is another organization my amazing business partner, Don, and I founded. Um, we, we are also the co-founders of We the Patriots. But that lawsuit, uh, we presented, we filed an emergency injunction to get masks off kids in school. We said they're ineffective. They're harmful. The science doesn't support it. We presented over 1,000 pages of studies, of, of evidence, excuse me, including many peer-reviewed studies as well as four expert witnesses, including two child psychiatrists, okay? All of that evidence was rejected by the court in the name of the scientific consensus because the overwhelming consensus, just because the majority of scientists and doctors are saying that masks are good and you should wear them, the Anthony Fauci's, okay? Uh, the the uh, you know, head of the CDC, the, the Redfields, okay? Because they are saying that you should be wearing a mask even though they didn't always say that and they keep flip-flopping on it, but because they say that it's safe to wear it, then that's okay. So the, the courts, unfortunately, from what I've seen, um, do tend to rule with whether, whatever the consensus is. Um, one thing that, they, that, that nobody can ignore, really, is the Constitution, though, and nobody should ignore. 
The First Amendment is the First Amendment. So I do think religious liberty, this idea of religious liberty exception, I do agree with that. And that's why we filed this lawsuit against the state of Connecticut um, for the religious exemption to uh, mandatory vaccinations, because we intend to take that all the way to the Supreme Court and say, listen, no state can mandate this for children. But really, this would have, we hope, precedential value that would go far beyond that, that no one can mandate a vaccine uh, if someone has a religious exemption, that needs to be honored, period, end of story. Brian, one more time. Give our audience information. So, in fact, let's do it this way. Someone's listening right now. They think they have a claim. They need representation. What should they do? So they can go to our website, which is wethepatriotsusa.org, and they can fill out the contact form, something called the Patriot Support Network. You'll see it pop right up on the homepage. You can fill out the contact form with your information, briefly describing your situation, and we'll evaluate it. What we aim to do is to not only connect you with an attorney who's going to represent you, but also to make a donation as funds allow to your legal expenses. We can't necessarily cover all legal expenses, but we hope to make a donation as funds allow. And then anyone that wants to support these litigation efforts, that if, if you have the means to support us out there and you want us to fight back with these lawsuits, please go to gogetfunding.com forward slash stop the shot. Just launched that fundraiser today. So it may not be on our website yet because we have our webmaster working on that. Hopefully within the next uh, couple of hours, it'll be up there. But you can go directly to the fundraiser website, which again is gogetfunding.com forward slash stop the shot. And that is not just for the shot. We call it that, but it's stop the shot mandates and more. So masks would be included if people have a mask lawsuit, a viable mask lawsuit. Um, that would also be included. Um, any other kind of COVID mandates at work that people think they have a viable claim, they can come to us. And if they do, we'll pursue college kids. I have someone, someone who approached me, she put her daughter through three years, three years at a, a very exclusive private university, which I won't say on, on the air. And now in her senior year is being told she can't complete her education unless she gets the COVID. Mm. I mean, just absolutely ridiculous. All right, Brian, we're about out of time. Uh, Brian Festig and wethepatriotsusa.org. I, I hope you're successful. Thank you for what you're doing. You're stepping into a gap here uh, and into a, into a battlefield that frankly, too many of our, uh, your peers have abandoned. So we wish you well. Thank you for what you're doing, Brian. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me on, Steve. You bet. You guys have any quick thoughts on that conversation before we have to go? Uh, in order to promote the funding, I think a lot of you, and I'm uh, in my limited capacity, the amount of people that have come out to me individually saying they need something like this, flood the zone. Get on that website, and hopefully the funding sees that and follows, just like the VAERS website. I think people saw that that's a real mm -hmm. mover in gaining attention. Well said. We'll come back with hour two here uh, in a moment. Stay tuned. We're back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Totters and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think. You can email the program, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. -E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor and Gab. Look for Steve Dace in all of those places. You can follow me on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. Get clips of the show as well on rumble.com slash Show. If you're a podcast listener, Thank you so much 
for being one of those. Please show your gratitude even more by hitting the subscribe button, leaving us a five-star review if you haven't done so already. And we want to personally thank the thousands of you that already have. Uh, Coming up at the bottom of the hour, I have some exciting news. Pop Culture Tuesday will be discussing a certain little film that I know a few of you have been waiting several years for. I'll give you some details on that, at least as many as I can, at least as I think I can, uh, coming up at the bottom of the hour. But we have Fake News or Not brought to you by Gabby. You know, there's hundreds of companies out there claiming to compare auto and home insurance rates. There's only one who actually does it. That's Gabby. You get better insurance with Gabby. I know because I looked into it myself. And here's the cool thing that they told me. They came back and told me, you know, the deal that we would suggest you take is the exact uh, deal from Safeco Insurance that you currently have. So if you've got the best deal that you can get in the market, they'll tell you that too. But why not find out for yourself if indeed you can save some money? They will survey your current coverage in comparison with the top 40 insurance providers out there, which means all the big national name brands are included. Uh, and they'll help you find the right policy which is why the average Gabby user can save up to $960 per year on premiums. And oh, by the way, they never sell your info either, so you're not going to get spammed. This isn't a data mining operation masquerading as insurance coverage. Uh, Put your policy to the test like I did. Uh, Get better insurance with Gabby. It's G as in George, A-B-I, by the way. G-A-B-I dot com slash dace that's gabby.com slash dace totally free just to check it out no obligation and you can decide if you want to move forward all right gabby.com slash dace again that's gabby.com slash dace let's get to fake news or not as we continue our tour through our number one best-selling book fauci and bargain the most powerful and dangerous bureaucrat in american history and this week we're talking about the country that just was memory hold, gaslighted and disappeared in the last year. My, my career, I mean, I've even debated leftists on Sweden. Sweden was the model country that the United States needed to become more like. And then suddenly, rectum barely knew him. What's a Sweden? Couldn't tell you what a Sweden is. I don't know, Sweden from a Vegas shooter or a nation of Islam police killer. I don't, I, don't, I don't know who, what is a Sweden? Never heard of the place. That's why, you know, Todd, we had to devote an entire chapter to this Shangri-La, this Atlantis who just disappeared off of human maps uh, and inquiries in the past 15 months or so. Yeah, I'm told in one of the next phases of the uh, uh, Marvel Avengers universe, they're going to go look for Sweden. And Are they? Uh, yes, it's going to be really That's exciting. In, it's Indiana Jones 5. That's the, there you go. Or the that. search for Sweden. There we go. Yes, yes, indeed. Well, this first uh, fake news or not is uh, everyone that follows it is going to be an extension of this, but it also needs to be said at the outset, having uh, helped Steve write this book, there's a lot of it's lines. You go through it, and you're really proud. Oh, that one's mine. That one's really good. But Steve... I, I give it to him right now, takes the cake. I think this is probably the greatest line written in the book, whether it's fake news or not. Steve, fake news or not. Sweden was like if hydroxychloroquine and Trump had a baby. <laughs> uh, that is absolutely real news. And, and then the amount of lying, just flat out lying about what was going on there. 
Like I got emails and stuff all last, all of last year. People claiming I wasn't telling the truth. Sweden's in a lockdown. And, it, and, and you would just, I don't know. I don't watch cable news. So I don't, I don't know what gets said on a lot of these shows. I'm loosely aware between the hours of 8 and 9 a.m. Or 8.30 and 9.30 a.m. Because that's usually when I'm at the gym and all the TVs are up on the wall. I never watch them. But, you know, you, you look around sometimes and maybe catch headlines of things. Like, I have noticed that um, 9 o'clock Eastern is the everything's racist on CBS Morning News. It just seems like every time I look up at 9 o'clock Eastern, something's racist on the CBS Morning News show. But uh, beyond that, I don't know what gets said on a lot of these shows. But I would just go and like do Google searches and like easily discredit these claims in like two or three entries. But I mean, people were persistent. They were adamant that these things weren't really going on in Sweden. Sweden was worse off than all these other countries. And you just go over to the Worldometer, real-time updated website of data and compare Sweden to a bunch. Then they would come up with canards. And I, I don't know if you want me to address them here because you might bring them up. Like the whole regionalization canard, Sweden can only be uh, compared to its other Scandinavian neighbors. Is that something you're going to ask me about later? It is, but this one okay. was purposely open-ended. I didn't know how you were going to address it. It's then your I'll, show. I'll, I'll save it then. Okay. okay. But I, I have, in my career, in my career, I have never seen a topic more distorted, gaslighted, and lied about than Sweden in the last year and a half. It was truly extraordinary. I mean, just whole cloth making up of stuff. Just things that are just, you got that on Earth. That's what's going on to the Sweet on the, in the Sweden on Earth 2. That's, that's not what's happening here on Earth Prime. You're, that's in a parallel dimension. I've, I've never seen, and consider that this entire last year has been a get, an escapade in gaslighting, has it not? So Sweden gets its own unique its own unique chapter uh, in this in this farce of the last 15 months what, what, what was done with that country and by a lot of people who have been using it as agitprop and propaganda for the last 20 years to suddenly turn I mean you would have thought Ron DeSantis was president of Sweden what what's gone on here and we document a lot of it in our book it is, it's not even good either. It's it's not even that it's like something can be wicked and evil and you'd be like, dude, respect, you pulled that one off. It's just bad. It's not just evil what went on here. They were just really bad at it. Well, yeah, it's like a holistic, you know, with the taking the one doctor who happened to be a black woman from Africa yeah. and saying she was a, a, a practiced demon sperm something and the yes. other. But hydroxychloroquine, it came after Sweden. Sweden was the first. This was amazing to me. Sweden was the first sign of hope. Like, there, we did not have to go to draconian measures. It was going to be okay. And you, you simply were not allowed to hope, Steve. That's what's disturbing about the whole thing. And if, if you go back to the beginning, if you want to say, all right, so Sweden operated virology outbreak 101 science. And keep in mind, by the way, the individual, Anders Tegnell, who is Sweden's Anthony Fauci, he was hired and personally placed in that position by the man that founded the European Union's version of the CDC. So this is not, again, some kind of crackpot. And if, and if, if, if we were doing science and not the science, 
But I think if we've learned in the last year, there's science and science or the science. Okay. Anytime we go to science or the science, it's all politics. The only science we're doing is political science. If, if we weren't doing that, Anders Tegnell would sweep the board of Nobel Prizes for, the, for what's gone on in the last right. year. So I, I bring up his credentials because this is not some clown. He was handpicked by the guy that created the EU's version of a CDC. You could say, I guess, in March, even maybe if you want to go into April of last year, you could say, well, Sweden ran the Virology 101 playbook, but we don't know that we're dealing with a natural phenomenon. So that playbook may not apply. You could have done that, right? Sure. That's a grown-up question. Yep. But were we given that option? We were told, keep in mind, in March, April, and well into May of last year, when the gaslighting of Sweden, see, they originally tried to lie about what was going on in Sweden. Then they tried to kind of forget the place for like the next 12 months afterwards. The, you could have made that argument, but we weren't permitted either one of those premises. We were told, we were told lies about Sweden, and then we were told that we had to accept the lie that the virus actually emerged miraculously from a Wuhan wet market and not from the three virology labs that exist in the city. Okay? So, if you wanted to, if you were hesitant about Sweden just running the virology outbreak playbook, you know, which which is what we've done in the vaccine era, isolate the 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 vulnerable, um, try to uh, increase natural immunity among the healthy as fast as you can, um, so that um, you have some robust immunity uh, f- built up. Once you have you have a sustainable vaccination program, which can then vaccinate those that don't have the natural immunity, and then you can begin repopulating with the with the with the vulnerable into the general population. Once you've reached a herd immunity threshold, right? That it's more complicated than that, but that's all. That's the only parts of it that we need to know as laymen about mm-hmm. public policy. They ran that playbook, and. If you wanted to say that was dangerous to run that playbook because we may not be dealing with a natural phenomenon, I'd have listened to that. But we were not offered that. We were we were given the worst of both worlds. We were lied to about Sweden, and then we were lied to about what may be the true origins of the virus. We were gaslighted on both ends of the spectrum. Steve, fake news are not, and like I said, uh, that, that umbrella question, uh, Steve has basically hinted at just about everything we're going to cover there, and rightly so. Fake news are not, Steve, there was a closed Facebook group that existed to support Sweden's COVID efforts among the world's skeptics. Uh, that's fake news. It, that, that, in, that private Facebook group existed to actually discredit Sweden. Uh, these were media figures, academics uh, from not just Sweden, but from all over the world. We weren't all in this together, yes, Steve? Yes, that, that were actually trying to funnel negative narratives about Sweden uh, and feed those, feed that fake news to media outlets all over the world. This is what you meant about it was just, it was bad. Yeah. I mean, malevolent. Yes, when you I mean, say it out loud, it's even worse, though. Like, you know in your head that right. this all happened, and then when you talk about it, you know, a private Facebook group for the expressed purpose of of ripping Sweden. Yes, discrediting them for not having enough people die, for being too free. Yeah. Now, so last week we juxtaposed that a mom in Canada, which is right now the, pardon the pun, mecca 
of COVID stand in, in the world, probably. Okay. And so here's this imam outdoors in broad daylight with no mask, openly looking into a camera in Canada and saying, if you're Muslim and don't hate Jews, mm. you should seriously question your faith, right? And then the week prior, a Christian minister mm -hmm. is accosted by a SWAT team in the streets and arrested for, quote, inciting people to go to church, right? And so we, we ask people to consider the juxtaposition of those two events. Consider the juxtaposition of these two events. Last week, Facebook shut down a page. I think that has over 700,000 followers uh, about prayer. Was it praying, uh, prayer for Israel, I believe is what it was? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know. I've never been to the site you know, I, I I don't know of any nut so element that infiltrate. I, I, I don't know. But here's what I do know. Over 700,000 people belong to a site about praying for Israel that Facebook got rid of. That's a fact. Okay. Yet you could join a closed group on Facebook to openly try to lie, gaslight, and distribute fake news, coordinate with each other on how to distribute fake news against a sovereign country's COVID success story. Now juxtapose those two things next to each other and then ask yourself, why do we let these people that run these big tech monopolies have unfettered power to this extent? Yeah, when Steve, when I saw this weekend and I haven't had a chance to touch on it, but th that the vaccines apparently uh, are parking themselves in women's ovaries in some sort of have you have you read? I've seen okay. I've read this stuff. I'm I'm very hesitant to comment on these things. I'm, I'm not. No, no, no. Uh, you're welcome you. to say what I'm, you would like, but within reason. Uh, but we all are. But I'm hesitant to analyze these things. We get into specific medical maladies. I do think I'm in over my skis. Oh, agreed. So I wait to see what definitive studies come out with conclusions and then analyze their agreed. conclusions. I, I get hesitant about getting involved in these things midstream. The reason why I'm well aware of what some recent things have, have, have said about if you've already had natural immunity, then getting vaccinated is because I just got diagnosed with natural immunity. So I'm personally invested in that, but I am aware of what you're talking about. I just haven't I don't have a defined. The only reason take I bring it. it up, it has to do with this. When I heard and saw that, and we remember that the initial IHME model that sparked your interest and the world's panic in all of this was produced by global warming and population control skeptics, mm -hmm. which ultimately led to a vaccine that may or may not lead to ovary problems and reproduction, aka population control. Yeah, we might have some questions about the group of people in closed groups like this who don't want to look at a hopeful case like Sweden because it might be blowing up a narrative that, um, yo, that's some six degrees of separation, Kevin Bacon, that should, you know, scare the they, bleep out of you. They have lied to you stem to stern and, and they deserve all of your skepticism at this point. I don't, I don't know anything short of... Um, the aliens they're going to tell us at the end of this month exist and give us the proof for uh, put COVID in the air to make the frogs gay. Anything short of that level of dot connecting, I don't know that anything short, anything be anything except unless you're going to that extent. I don't know that anything short of that, frankly, isn't at least worthy of some merit of consideration given the amount that they have lied to us over the last year plus. Fake news or not, Steve. After six months, most people know by now that after six months without a lockdown, Sweden's population-adjusted death rate was lower than New York and Italy and Spain 
where there were heavy lockdowns. Do most people know that by now? Fake they, news or not? I, that, they don't know that by now. Most people that listen to this show do. Okay, I mean, we did how many shows on Sweden last year because we wanted to follow it in real time. Why did we do that? We were going to follow Sweden in real time whether they affirmed our premises or not. If, 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 if we would have had a real-time example of our philosophical assertions that proved that they don't work, I would have done a different show last year, and you might not, you wouldn't have co-author of a number one best-selling mm -hmm. book on your resume, okay? Because no one would want to read that book. Guys, it didn't work, okay? But my, the mo more important than, gee, how can we grow our show during this was, let's make sure we're telling people the truth during, I said this on a, a show I was on promoting the book. I don't believe 600,000 people have died because of COVID. I don't believe that. No, do I. I think the number is absolutely inflated. I do believe hundreds of thousands of people have died because of COVID, though. And let's say it's only 100,000. That would still make it the worst pandemic. I think it's higher than that. But even if they're off by that much, even if it's been exaggerated by six times the actual count, it would still make it easily the worst pandemic on our continent in, in anybody's lifetime that's that's alive right now that's a serious event and so all the politics of it aside i wanted to make sure that we weren't misleading people so we were we were very tuned in to the data coming out of sweden all of last year because they were the real world example of the philo of the philosophical assertions that we were making steve Fake news or not, Anders Tegnell, who you've already mentioned, belongs in jail because Sweden did worse than all its Nordic counterparts. And this is where you alluded earlier to the regionalization. Right. So, I mean, that would be fake news, by the way. In fact, his, his, his Nordic counterparts have actually been very graceful in responding and reacting to Sweden's numbers compared to theirs. Is it true that Sweden's numbers are worse than their Nordic counterparts? It is. It is absolutely true. Could that be attributed to the fact they had a more open society? Well, we would be intellectually dishonest if we didn't consider that. Now, I would also argue there's additional factors. For example, if you look at even within Sweden's own epidemiolo epidemiological um, curve, it has... I think it has the highest immigrant population in the entire EU per capita, or one of them. One of the things we do see um, with, with this virus is there are, and I don't really know medically what the reason for it is, but um, there does seem to be a correlation between melanin and, uh, and infection rates. Um, they don't, we, in our country, we would say that's systemic racism. They can't really make that argument in Sweden. They have a full-blown socialist country with wide open borders, right? So what they, what they found in Sweden, for example, is the COVID infection and, um, and death rates were much higher in those immigrant communities compared to the population at large, which overall inflated their numbers. But that's still... You still can't get around the fact Sweden did underperform its Nordic neighbors. That is true. Here's the problem with making that line of attack, though. If we're going, if you're going to detract, if you're going to say we, it's not fair to compare Sweden to the UK, which we did on our show, or compare Sweden to Michigan, which we did all throughout last year. Why? 
because I know Michigan very well. Populations of Michigan and Sweden are virtually the same. Uh, um, the amount of population that lives in the Detroit metro or surrounding Wayne County area there compared to the amount of people that lived in the in Stockholm in the surrounding area there, very similar, okay? Um, nine, 10 months out of the year, a lot of climate similarities between the two states. They're actually very similar. But if if you wanna say that, it, that you it's not fair to, to break Sweden out outside of its region, that it has to be compared to the countries in its region, then you can't have it both ways. I'm okay if you want to make that argument, but then we have to agree that regional seasonality is the driving force in the spread of COVID. See what I'm saying? Of course. If we're not going to agree that regional seasonality is the is the driving force in the spread of covid then no i will not grant you that talking point you cannot have it both ways you cannot tell me we're only going to compare sweden to its regional neighbors but we're not going to acknowledge regional seasonality why does that matter well look at last year so this year you're not quite seeing it yet because we've hit a herd immunity threshold in the in our country clearly we have um but last year we hadn't. And so remember those IHME models all throughout the month of April and May that were totally wrong about what was going on in the Sun Belt. They were going to have all these and right. it didn't happen. And so Texas, like it was this time last year, I went down to Texas to the blaze for the first time. It was a couple weeks from now. People forget California reopened. And it was a couple of weeks from now last year that I went out to L.A. to do the initial storyboarding meeting for Nefarious. Because there was nothing going on in any of these places. Well, their seasonal wave had not hit yet. And then we get to their seasonal waves and it's their turn. They had some issues, right? So you you can only, to me, you, I'm willing to be intellectually honest and allow you to compare Sweden exclusively to its neighbors. But I won't let you be intellectually dishonest, though. If you, want to make, if you want to say Sweden should only be compared to its neighbors, then we must admit in regional seasonality. Why does that matter? Because it indicates with an airborne virus, why, did, why are people whose turn it isn't right now seasonally, why are they locked down? Why are people whose turn it wasn't seasonally last year, why were they locked down? See what I'm saying? Yeah. Regional seasonality, if you follow the curve of this virus, it is the number one driving force of this virus. Right. All we heard was how great things were in this in, in South America and everything else while we're blowing up. Argentina, everybody's wearing masks. Brazil, everybody's wearing masks. You're idiots in, in Iowa for not wanting to wear all of a sudden then regional seasonality hits. Don't see those stories anymore. Sure. And we gotta those countries are are a, you know a poop hole for COVID, right? Regional seasonality, I believe, is the number one driving factor in COVID spread. And that has been the most ignored aspect. And I'm just reacting to data. Look, when I look at the data, the number one trend line I see is regional seasonality. Steve, fake news or not, Sweden's 2.9% contraction to GDP in 2020 was 151% less than the average economic decline across the entire European Union. That is, that is true. That's true news. Their, their economy suffered... I think they suffered the least of all the countries in the EU from last year, right? I, it's in the ballpark, yeah. isn't it? So, but look at, the, some of you will say, 
if you've been gaslighted. Well, look at the sacrifice they made, though, for a few points of GDP. Indeed, let's look at that sacrifice. Total excess mortality in Sweden compared to the UK. The UK, the UK had a 10 increased excess mortality, increased 10 times more in the UK than it did in Sweden last year. If you look at the average of excess deaths in the entire European Union, Sweden had an, had an, had an increase, what was it, about 7 or 8%, I think we have it in the book, was what Sweden's excess mortality increased over the four-year yes. average last year. The rest of the UK, their increase was anywhere from 12 to 18% of an increase in excess mortality. So they didn't sacrifice a, few, uh, a bunch of lives for a few GDP points. They actually had a very congruent policy. Everybody else actually sacrificed freedom to not save lives. They're the dumbasses. The other countries that did this, when you look at the data, they sacrificed freedom and socioeconomic security to not actually save lives. Sweden kept things largely open. They did some mitigation, but they kept things largely open and, and did a better job than the rest of the European Union did by and large at saving lives. And there is one point about Sweden when you also look at the data. There was a uh, dry timber factor there for whatever reason the year before. Their death rate was lower, mm -hmm. and it was going to be almost certainly be higher in 2020, COVID or not COVID, uh, simply because those people, uh, were, you know, you, you, if you don't die that year, the data shows you're going to you're almost certainly going to die the next year just based on. Uh, the nature of things. So there was a dry timber factor. And when you look at the the two-year averages uh, with the rest of the Nordic countries, they almost all um, uh, bear themselves out as That's in an the important same ballpark. Point. That is an important point that you just made from a, uh, an epidemiological perspective. You bet. Fake news or not, Steve, despite lockdowns, and this speaks to what you said, 45% of all U.S. COVID deaths come from inside nursing homes and long-term care facilities. Where less than 1% of Americans live. That is, that's true. And again, I, I there were we didn't, we didn't We didn't save grandma. Grandma, we, grandma died anyway uh, because of what we did. We, we, we got, that's why it's not, it's the dumbest policy decision of all time. It accomplished nothing meaningful, nothing, nothing of any meaning uh, whatsoever was accomplished via these lockdowns. Nothing was, so, or should I say not meaningful, fruitful maybe is the better word. Because several meaningful things happened. They were just all bad. Well, that was another way of me bringing up the fact that this whole notion that we were all in this together was a lie all along. That's multiple fronts on which we've proven they haven't, which begs the goes back to I wanted to end full circle with, remember, fake news or not, Sweden was like if hydroxychloroquine and Trump had a baby. It was really important for the narrative that Sweden never existed. And it's clear that the Fauci's of the world had no plans or did not anticipate it not falling into line. The reason why is because it was the control group. They can ignore, I mean, our show grew 300% last year, but it up against the federal Leviathan and the entire media COVID stand industrial complex, man, we're a fart in church, right? Okay. They can do that to me, to Jordan Schachtel, to Daniel Horowitz, to um, uh, Rational Ground, right? Julie Kelly, they can ignore all of us if it if it remains philosophical. None of us had the golden EIB microphone. None of us had the the wherewithal of a Tucker Carlson. Okay, they could ignore us all 
all of our philosophical challenges, all of our data scrutiny, they could ignore it all if there wasn't a real-time example happening in real time that provided the control group. Sweden was the control group. The reason things dramatically increased in their pace of reopening in our country is once we had a couple of red states, our own, Georgia, Florida, particularly Florida, given its status in the country, begin to openly defy what Ron DeSantis in our book calls Fauciism. Now they start becoming domestic control groups. It's a lot easier to memory hole Sweden to the people of the United States than it is Florida, right? Right. Okay. And I think that now is when the, the control groups began, began uh, metastasizing and they couldn't hold it back any longer. And that's where we stand now here today. All right, when we come back, a Pop Culture Tuesday. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I've been waiting a long time for. All right, we'll get to it here in just a moment. Well, I know I expressed my frustration with Alliance Defending Freedom earlier, and I have several times throughout the last few weeks, but we also cannot deny that for a quarter century or longer, they have done some phenomenal work uh, on behalf of people with our belief system, uh, particularly when it gets right now to the area of religious liberty. Uh, They've got about an 80% success rate. But to keep that going and to make sure their clients never have to pay a dime, uh, they need help from people like us uh, to donate. If you want to donate to Alliance Defending Freedom to help it continue its fight for sanctity of marriage, uh, sanctity of life, uh, parental rights, etc., religious liberty, uh, go to adflegal.org slash Steve. You can donate there. ADF, it's a tax-deductible donation, adflegal.org slash steve that's adflegal.org slash steve and who knows maybe they'll if enough of us do this and say hey we need you guys now to get involved in the fight that's really threatening us here's the thing guys it is much more likely that your business right now is imperiled by covid stand than the rainbow jihad and I say that as the guy that coined both of those phrases, both COVID Stan and Rainbow Jihad. Those are both my terms. I've done a lot of shows over the years on the threat of the Rainbow Jihad, right? But right now, what is more likely to happen? Your freedom and liberty is imperiled by the Rainbow Jihad. They're kind of like Sweden. They almost have all the power that they wanted, right? What's more of a threat to you and me right now? The Rainbow Jihad or COVID stand. To me, I don't even think it's close. In fact, I long for the luxury, again, of spending days on end railing against the Rainbow Jihad during Pride Month on this show, right? Still one of my all-time favorite Babylon Bee headlines. Man who agrees with virtually every corporation in America calls himself during Pride Month the resistance. I love that, okay? But... Um, where we really need the manpower of, a, of an alliance defending freedom is against COVID stand. That's, that's the enemy that is, that is targeting us right now. A lot of you that are concerned about your parental rights where forced vaccinations with, ex, with experimental substances are concerned. What's, what's a, I mean, Michael Ferris 
pioneer parental rights as a legal thing in, in modern America. What's more of a threat to your parental rights than can they forcibly inject my child with something that has not been fully vetted by the FDA? If that ain't a parental right, I don't know what is. So go there and let them know about it while you support the good efforts that they still do at adflegal.org slash Steve. Let's get to Pop Culture Tuesday. This is when we look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism each Tuesday on the program. And this past weekend, I received a gift. A gift I have been waiting for for several years, but especially for the last... Oh, 11 months because it was mid late June last year that I got on a plane, went out to LA and did the first initial storyboard meeting for the nefarious plot movie, the movie based on my 2016 book and nefarious plot. And I've been waiting We've had a few other things going on over the course of the last year, obviously. And we've been doing plenty of other things where the film is concerned, the funding, all that other stuff. But the script is the cornerstone. And it has to land, right? I mean, I, I remember a few years ago, the last Transformers movie. And it's got Anthony Hopkins in it. It's got every bell and whistle, every special effect. This probably had like a $200 million budget, man. That movie is total trash. It is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in a theater. It's so bad. Because just like you've heard me say in politics that um, no campaign can rise above its own candidate. Right? right? Okay. Uh, Is it Jimmy's and Joe's or X's and O's when it comes to sports? Well, if one team clearly has the superior Jimmy's and Joe's, it's then it ain't your X's and O's. Like you... You weren't X and your X and O in your way around Aaron Rodgers on most Sunday afternoons, right? Even though most of the time Aaron Rodgers faced teams, I would argue, had better supporting cast than he played with. So in in this endeavor, the script is the thing. It has to be great because that's going to be the plumb line of this. Ent- it's not the only thing, right? Then you still have to shoot the movie and, and can you can you pull that off once you get on a set? Casting the thing will be the next big thing. But those things are all made easier by the power of a good script. And so I got word that the script was coming over Memorial Day weekend. I get up first thing Saturday morning and I got to tell you, man, I was nervous. You know, I've been, I've been waiting for this Red Rider BB gun for quite a long time, right? If I if I go downstairs and it ain't under the Christmas tree, I'm gonna be kind of disappointed mm-hmm. after all that hype. And I kind of felt this way about the script. And in fact, I kind of I I looked at the title page for quite a while, just so worried about what happens if I don't like this. What happens if I think it's a mess? And then I'm like, dude, I don't do, I don't make fear-based decisions. Stop being a wuss and read the damn thing. I decided, based on advice from one of the producers, the first time I read it, to not analyze it, but read it as an experience. Put yourself just in the experience, then go back and read it a couple more times. You can analyze and give us your feedback, but just experience it as a story for the first time. 
it sticks the landing. It, it's, it's legitimately great. There has, and it is most definitely going to be a horror, horror film. It most definitely will be. I have to enunciate that, man. See, I was like, why is he in, oh, okay. Okay, yeah. It will be. Um, there's, the, I, at the very least, and who knows if, when we get to making it, if we can make it anything that comes into that stratosphere, but from a, from the story it tells, the closest thing to what this film does, which is mingling really real theological themes up against fictional horror, would be the 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 Conjuring universe, especially the main Conjuring films, even more so than the spinoffs. And the third one comes out actually in the theaters this weekend. But those films are kind of reverential of the theology of the characters that they're based on. But they're not like a direct application like what you see in The Exorcist where there's an actual exorcism or in The Omen when they're actually investigating uh, prophecy about the Antichrist. And those films are now, what, 50 years old? half Almost a half a century old? Over 40 years old, for sure. So we're talking about it's been a long time since there has been a horror film like this with a story like this. There is no faith-based film that's ever had a story like this. And it is very much a faith-based film, for sure. But it just hasn't been done like this. And only thing I can think of, it'll be really obscure probably, since Todd, you didn't grow up in like evangelical subculture. And this may be too old for you, Aaron, because he was kind of in his heyday around the time you were born. But if we were like, if we were where we were, where we are now with Christian filmmaking like 30 years ago, okay, and took like a Frank Peretti book oh, yeah. and handed it to people who have a real track record yep. of producing content. So they knew what to do with it. They could manifest it into a, into a, into a film. That's kind of what this is. And um, I laughed out loud several times. Not because it's, it's, he's just, it's, they nailed the character from the book. It's not just that he's evil. He's just a freaking douchebag the whole time. Okay. There's a couple of scenes. I won't tell you anything, but where he just does stuff just to rub it in like he does in the book. Doesn't have to do this, but he wants to. And that's why I, I laughed out loud because that's my character. That's that's my baby come to life. Basically, they that those it's those little flourishes that show they got it. They weren't just doing nefarious as a means to do a polemical critique of American culture and a warning about the path that we're on. That will absolutely take place, but there needs to be a craftsmanship aspect to this. This can't be a this can't be a theologically astute movie. It needs to be a good movie that's theologically astute. Does that make sense? Sure. It needs to be a good movie that's self-aware. It can't be a self-aware movie. It needs to be a good movie that's self-aware. And this one is. And 
if if that's if that's the biggest step in this process, as they told me all along, it would be that the even years before we even started the script, they said the script would be the thing that would ultimately determine its success. All the other things you can fire a bad actor, you can change something in post, right? But the one thing we can't overcome is if the script isn't good. And um, I I was just ecstatic. I read through it three times over the weekend. And even the, the second two times when I read through it analytically, offering my running commentary and feedback to send back to the, the producers, I, I just thoroughly enjoyed it. They nailed it. So I want to get you guys' thoughts here in a second after I tell the audience about real estate agents I trust. So I was fortunate enough to have one of those last time we got into the market 15 years ago. So right now we're looking at probably doing a couple things to the house, like a new roof. I just called up my real estate agent from 15 years ago. We're still pals. I still see him in our neighborhood. I mean, he, I just trust him. And I feel like even now, if I've got a question about something, he knows the neighborhood too. He lives in it. I can get his take on something. Um, wouldn't you like to have that kind of real estate agent handling your next deal? You can find somebody like that, a real estate agent you can trust. The name kind of says it all. When you go to realestateagentsitrust.com, again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. Find somebody who will come in, take charge of your situation while also remembering that you're ultimately in charge, but then also has a proven and vetted track record of success. Just about anywhere in America you want to move to or from, we can probably help you. And chances are it might even be somebody that comes from this very audience realestateagentsitrust.com. All right. What do you guys think? Well, with a horror movie that goes from book to uh, screen, normally, let's take the classic Stephen King. You know, they, all the main component. you can see the movie in there, the main components are there. You just kind of build it into the framework of a movie script, the ebbs and flows of it. That mm-hmm. you j- but it's, this book, it, this is, there's a movie inspired on your book, but there was no... Framework. There's not a film right. narrative so in this, this book. So this right. was incredibly important, to what you're talking about, to stick this landing, to make this happen. That being said, how what is the Venn diagram overlap? How the, the person who's read the book Nefarious Plot and then sees the movie versus the person who sees the movie and hasn't, how much different could the experience potentially be? I think if you are familiar with the book, you'll appreciate it a little more because you'll you'll go into this understanding the presence that you are about to encounter. But I also think you don't have to have ever read a syllable of this book to understand it. I figured as much. Because of the device that we chose on how we were going to translate this to the screen, and which I don't want to spoil quite yet, the, the device that we chose, and when we get into the promotional aspect of it, some of that will be teased, but I don't want to do any of that yet. The, the vehicle that we chose to translate it makes it possible for that to be far more accessible. How much in the movie, how much of just the raw data information storytelling is in the movie? Because there's just, you know, the the examples, statistics in the book that that, uh, Nefarious is using as an example. This is why I've got you. This is how much of that is actually in the movie. There is some, but I'm trying to figure out how to answer this without spoiling anything. There is some, but... We're not to that stage of the conversation yet, is what I will say. Okay. Okay. Aaron, you have anything? I got a text from you around 1130 yesterday morning. 
um, asking if I could have the script read in time for this conversation because we already decided Todd's not going to read He's going to be the control group, yes. Uh, I was just so busy yesterday, I didn't even see your text till the evening. Do I still get to read the script? You, you can, yeah, if you okay. want to. Yeah. Cool. That's, that's really kind of, my interest has peaked now. I didn't want to originally. I didn't want to originally because I just wanted to be surprised, mm-hmm. go walk into the theater. I, I can't help myself now. I might go home and read it again this afternoon. That's how much I like it. I mean, it's just, it's so good. And it it goes with the book very well. I, I need to stop talking now. I need to stop now. Easter eggs. Yes. Now I'll just, I'm, I'm going to stop right now. All right, so. Um, overtime. We're going to stick around after the show today and tape our overtime for Blaze TV subscribers. If you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber, you can become one at blazetv.com slash dace. That's blazetv.com slash dace. And that's also where if you are one, you'll get to watch the overtime after we record it here in a few moments. We'll upload it for you later today. But, you know, we came out of this 2016 uh, cycle. And one of the things I wrote in a previous book, Truth Bombs, is the reason the cruise we lost on team cruise to Trump is we had everything else on Trump. We had better funding. I mean, yeah, he's a billionaire, but he wasn't spending that much money on his own campaign. Uh, we had better funding. Um, we certainly had better organization and we had an aligned grassroots of conservative leaders that typically have splintered amongst four or five different candidates. We had them almost all lined up behind us, but we didn't have Fox. We didn't have drudge and we didn't have rush. Trump had those three things and beat us. Well, a lot's changed since that cycle, right? Fox is still the number one network, but it has a viable contender over the air right now in Newsmax, who's, I think, a top 60 television cable television station. So, you know, it's not like they're going to topple Fox in a month, but they're not insignificant either. Drudge has completely discredited himself and Rush has passed away. So now that Rush's quote unquote successors have been named, how does that reset the board of conservative politics with where those platforms are at as we head into maybe another primary cycle if Trump doesn't run in 2024? We'll get into that in the overtime today. For the rest of you, we are back at it again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. And until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.